was amazing. Um, I, I hope you sort of entered into the presence of God. I just thought that was lovely, and thank you so much. I just love it when we concentrate on worshipping. I mean, there's loads of different kinds of songs, isn't there? There's declaration, and, you know, there's, um, there's praise, but there's something special when we get into that place of actual worship and just adoring Jesus, and it's just lovely. So lovely choice of songs today, Michelle, and thank you, Criddy, for... Um, you know, just singing out for us as well. That was really, really lovely. And um, Michelle and I didn't talk before <coughs> the sermon, but in fact, it was the absolute perfect introduction of songs because the central theme of my sermon is Jesus. So just lifting him up and um, just coming into that place with him to start with was just, you know, just fantastic. So um, as you know, we're going through Luke and sermon is up there. Um, Mark has divvied up Luke into little parcels for us to to preach. And um, I've got three verses. And I thought initially when I um, heard that I had three verses, oh my goodness, you know, how am I going to make a sermon out of three verses? Well, I shouldn't have worried (laughs) because um, there's plenty to say on these three verses. And in fact, this is about the third iteration of my sermon. This is the problem, you see, when you've got a bit more time. Um, You sort of end up sort of going over it and going over it and you end up, you know, sort of changing it a little bit. So I thought I was going somewhere and I ended up going somewhere completely different. So anyway, I hope you um, get something out of it. I got a lot out of it preparing it. So let's read this um, together. Well, perhaps it would be good to pray before we read, actually. Um, As some of you know, um, Lydia and Mark are away this week. They're having a well-earned rest. And uh, so... um, Let's, let's pray for them while, while, while we, um, before we start, and just pray for ourselves too that God would just open up our hearts and minds to understand his word. So Father God, we just lift up Mark and Lydia to you today, and we thank you so much for them. We thank you for all they give into this fellowship and all the time and effort they put in to, to, to just bring glory to you and to serve us as the church community here at Hope. And we pray abundant blessing on them, Heavenly Father God. We pray that you would extend this time, Lord, that they would have real rest they'd have times together times with you they'd have just fun and laughter and lots of relaxation Lord God and we just pray they'd just feel their batteries are recharged and they're not coming home too soon it's just the right time for them Heavenly Father God we pray you bless them with the practicalities of weather and and all the things that surround them Lord God may they be just thoroughly blessed And Lord, we pray for ourselves and we thank you, Lord God, that your Holy Ghost lives in each one of us here this morning. And your Holy Ghost is our teacher and he leads us into all truth. And we pray, Heavenly Father God, as as Paul prayed for the Ephesians, Lord, that the eyes of our understanding, that heart inside each one of us would be enlightened to know the hope of your calling and the riches of your glorious inheritance for us in the saints and your incomparably great power towards us who believe that power that you use to raise Jesus from the dead is living in each one of us and father I just pray that as we um, read your word today that you would enlighten our hearts and minds and you would empower us afresh to live the 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 resurrection life that we we all have living within amen okay so let's start reading the verses Luke 6 43 to 35 43 to 45, sorry, my notes are wrong already. Um, For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. Men do not gather figs from thorns, nor, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. 
A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So that's what we're looking at today. Now, I don't know, some of you know that I really like gardening, and I've got a few raspberries in my garden, and it's one of my sort of morning joys at this time of year to slip outside with my Crocs on, nip to the veggie patch, and just pick a few raspberries to go on my breakfast cereal. Um, But I'd be really, really shocked. In fact, it would be impossible if I went out one day and found that there were bananas hanging from my raspberry bush, or even, you know, something even weirder, like my courgettes had migrated from one part of the patch and were positioned hanging beautifully from my raspberries. We all know, it's silly, isn't it? But we all know that that is, in fact, impossible, because God has designed these, this world to run on a very clear system. And it's a, it's, a, it's a rule on this planet that everything begets or bears after its own type or kind. You know, grasses produce grasses, the same kind of grass. A cow ha- always has a cow. A dog always has a dog. You know, there isn't this, um, you know, sort of, well, we could go to evolution. And I'm just going to spend just two minutes because, I'm sorry, but if you don't know me, this is another one of my passions. Um, Jesus is my passion, but evolution is a passion too. Um, And um, yes, I just had to go a little bit with evolution because what dropped through my letterbox this week was um, something from the Creation Resources Trust. And I just want to spend two minutes, okay, just talking about evolution. Because evolution obviously says that things change from one thing into another. It flies in the face of Genesis 1, which says that God said everything is to beget after its own kind. And evolution says that if you wait long enough, a little tiny amoeba-y thing will get more information and become a more complex organism. And for, you know, we know, don't we, in most of my lifetime, I can remember that evolution is taught as fact in buildings like this. I used to teach in this building, okay? And, you know, I used to put the other argument occasionally and respectfully, but, you know, the evolution holds sway in in all of our institutions. It holds sway in our media. It holds sway on all of our natural history programs. And just this week, what I'm really excited about is there is a little chink that has come into this armor. We didn't read it on the BBC, mind. It wasn't on the national news. But scientists are waking up. And there there is a group of 1,000 scientists that have signed a petition. And you can go to Descent from Darwin. These are, you know, sort of respected international scientists that have actually said, you know, enough is enough. You know, this theory does not have the basis in fact that it should have. And this guy that on the front of this sheet here, and I've, I've taken a photocopy if anybody wants to go away and read it. This guy, Neil Thomas, he's a professor, and he's a member of the British Rationalist Association. Bless his cotton socks. So he obviously doesn't have much sympathy for um, religion. And he had what we would, what we would call an epiphany. He went... Um, he said, I had something of an epiphany in a nightmare that Darwin could not be true. 
So God was probably getting to him in his sleep. He says, I decided to read around a bit and see if this subconscious flash of insight could be true, and my research, which was diligent, confirmed the theory is absurd. I realized I had been conned. I felt there was something dishonest about the huge claims made by Darwin compared to the negligible evidence to support the thesis. And that's the thing. If you are a scientist and you know a bit about evolution, you know that the evidence that supports this massive theory that everybody is turning to is just pitiful, all right? And even Darwin himself said, I know that the fossil record doesn't support my theory. I mean, I could go on a lot longer, but I won't. I'll stop there. But the point I'm making is that you know, we, the, um, the Genesis account and this account tells us that trees bring forth their own kind. Plants and animals are designed to do that. And evolution doesn't, is the opposite theory. Um, so the Bible obviously is telling you it's not true. End of message one. Mess, the proper message. <laughs> so I'm going to go back to this um, scripture here. And I just want to point out one thing before I start, because you might feel my message is a little bit of a burner message. Do you know what a burner message is? A burner message is where you feel that you've been slightly roasted in the fire of God's purifying power in the morning. <laughs> you know, it's one of those messages that you know, might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. But don't worry, I'm preaching to myself as well, if that's any comfort. I was equally burned as I prepared it. Um, so um, bear with me. But the good thing I want to point out to all of us is that a good tree does not bear bad fruit. And I've got news for you, you are a good tree, okay? I am a good tree. As soon as we have invited Jesus into our hearts, the Holy Ghost has come to live in us, and that's the good bit, okay? Jesus is living in you, and he is good. And that word good is a bit sort of a funny word, isn't it, in our society? It's, it's um, what is good, you know? But I looked it up, and it actually means valuable, virtuous, worthy. So inside of each one of us is this newborn nature that happened when we got born again. And this newborn nature is valuable. It's, it's, it's um, virtuous. It's worthy. It's Jesus himself living inside us. So we will bear good fruit, okay? But what this sermon is designed to do is to maximize our crop. Okay, so if you're like into gardening like me and you want to put fertilizer on your beds and you want to prune back um, the things that aren't doing so well, this sermon is for you. Now, as I was preparing it, I thought I had it sorted, as I said to you. It's one of those things where I read through it and the first two verses I started going off and doing my thing with my concordances and everything. And I had a load written and I was really, I felt okay about it. And then I got to the 45th verse and God just pinged the word treasure out at me. So can we just concentrate on verse 45? We know that trees bear good fruit and good trees bear good fruit and bad trees bear bad fruit. But this is the crux of the matter. This is where it all starts, starts from. Verse 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks and God beamed treasure into my mind and into my heart and that's what set me off on this message 
Now, the word treasure, I looked it up in the dictionary, and it, you know, we all know what treasure is. It's, it's something precious. It can be a metal or a gem or something valuable, an object that you keep carefully tucked away. Perhaps you've got some jewelry from your mother or something, or a watch from your dad or something that is precious to you. And, you know, God is saying to us here that we have got treasures in our hearts. And um, that word treasure, if we have a little peek at the Greek, is the idea of a deposit. So we're constantly making deposits into our heart, okay, which is quite a significant idea, I think. We have to think about what we daily are depositing in our hearts. Um, yeah, where was I going with this? Sorry. Yeah, um, basically, yes, that's what I was going to say, sorry. Um, the Bible talks a lot about the heart. In fact, there's about 820 references to the heart in the Bible, but only 20 of them refer to the, the heart as a functioning organ that's pumping blood around. The other 800 references are to do with our, like our spiritual heart. And our heart is like the very center of us, isn't it? It's part of our, our soul area. It's part of our, our mind, our will, our emotions. Um, it's part of who make, what makes us who we are. So our heart is really, really important. And we're going to be looking at scriptures which encourage us to just sort of really keep a guard on our heart. Um, Paul said that Jesus, our treasure, he's our treasure, and he is hidden inside our heart, in, in, our, in our bodies, which are just like clay. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, and 7, we're the clay bit, and inside we've got this treasure, which is Jesus, right inside of us. So what things do we treasure? And this was the challenge for me, because... You know, when we look at our lives, we look at each day, we look at each week, we look at each year, what have we prioritized in that valuable time that we've had? Now, I'm not saying that many of the things we do are wrong. I like playing tennis, as you know, I like gardening, and I do all of those things, and there's nothing wrong with that. These things aren't sins, okay? But what I think God is saying to each one of us, and to me in particular, is where are your priorities? What are the things that make you get up in the morning? The things that you have at, as absolutely central to your life. And that is quite a challenge, isn't it? I think particularly in this day and age, because we have so many things to distract us, so many worthy things to distract us. But God is asking us to come back to the one thing. And I want to look at Colossians 3, verses 1 to 4. If you then are risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory." So we are risen with Christ, aren't we? We've all been through the waters of baptism, which is the symbol of what has gone on spiritually. Because when we ask Jesus into our lives, he comes to live in our spirit. But when we go through the waters of baptism, it's showing us that our old man, our old life has died. 
And it, it stays there in the waters of baptism. And when we are raised up out of the water, it's the picture of us rising up to new life. But whose life is it? It's not your life anymore. It's not my life anymore. It's Jesus in us. He is our life now. And if we're talking about treasure and the things that are in our hearts and the things that motivate us and the things that, um, you know, keep us going each day and, you know, make life worthwhile, Jesus needs to be that central. Set your affection on things above. What if, where are we setting our affection on? Are we too um, in the world? It's, it's questions we all need to ask ourselves regularly. Okay, and I'm not getting at anyone, as I said already, this is as much to me as to anybody, but I just feel God is saying, you know, keep track of what's going on in your heart. What deposits are you making in your heart? Because as I've said, we are dead. Our lives aren't our own anymore. We belong to God because Christ is our life. And what we're all relying on is that internal life that God has given us to raise us up and to sit with him in heavenly places one day in glory. So that's the life we need to be um, cultivating and focusing in on. And that's why when we read in the New Testament, I think it's in Luke 10, there's an example, um, this passage in Luke 10, where Jesus went to the house of Mary and Martha. You all know the story. And Mary sat at Jesus' feet, and she just listened to his words. And Martha was busy doing stuff. I just relate to Martha too much. It's really disturbing. <laughs> I would be out making scones or something, you know. And, um, you know, she complains to Jesus and says, you know, won't you ask Mary to help me? And Jesus said, you know, you're, you're worried about so many things, but she's done the thing that is needful and it won't be taken away from her. Now, I often think to myself, well, you know, it was neat. You know, you do need to do practical stuff. But the point of this story is Jesus didn't live in that house. He wasn't going to be there for weeks and weeks on end and years and years on end. He was only there for a short period of time. And Martha prioritized all of the doing away from the sitting for when he was only there for perhaps such a short time. So it's priorities, isn't it, in our lives? And in this case, Mary chose the right thing. Uh, I pray we do too. Are you enjoying this? <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, let's have a look at Proverbs 4, because all of these things about the heart are in the Old Testament as well. Proverbs 4, verse 23, and I've got it in three translations, because I don't know about you, but you get a little bit from each translation as you read it. So the New Living says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The Amplified says, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. And the um, King James, my favorite version, <laughs> keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues or the source of life. So I'm going to look through this verse in quite a lot of detail, but we see that all three translations tell us to guard, to watch, and to keep. So as we remember, if we think about what we're doing here. We're thinking about the tree bearing fruit, aren't we? And we know that it's the treasure that determines, the treasure in your heart determines your fruit. So we're looking closely at the heart and we see here we have to guard, watch and keep it to bear fruit ultimately, the right fruit. 
And this reminded me of sort of like castles. I love visiting castles. I don't know about you, but they're just so, you know, a well-preserved castle like Pembroke Castle or something is just such an amazing structure to visit. And, you know, people who in those days had to look after these castles, there was 24-7 guards walking around the parapets of these castles, watching, constantly looking for the enemy. And it just reminds me that, you know, this job we have, guarding our hearts, is 24-7. It's, it's, you know, well, perhaps not when we're asleep, but you know what I mean? It's sort of, you know, we're, we're just literally, we've got to be more vigilant about what's going on in our hearts. And I've got two areas that I felt God highlighted for me. Um, the first one is in Ephesians 4. It's, it's, the, it's what's going on in our hearts in, in relationship. This is the first area. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. With all malice, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. This word bitterness comes up again in Hebrews. It's, it's, it says it's a root that can develop, and many people are defiled. And, you know, we all live in life, and people let us down, people hurt us, people say things they don't mean to say. And, you know, these are areas that we can take into our hearts. They are deposits that we can make, and they're not good deposits. We need to make sure that we never, um, you know, take these things on board. We need to be forgiving and loving and remember that what we've been forgiven from, and then that helps us to forgive others. Um, just to weed our hearts constantly of this, this rubbish that isn't going to help us bear the right fruit. Because out of our mouths one day is going to come the fruit of these roots if they've got in there, isn't it? It's just going to happen. So just, just weed them instantly. You know, if you feel tempted to just, you know, have something happening in your heart, feel angry towards someone um, or whatever, just deal with it instantly. It's a constant weeding process. So that was the first area. And the second area I felt God talking to me about was we have to guard what's going on in our hearts through our minds because the devil is always trying to pull us down, isn't he? He's always trying to drag us down and tell us that we're, you know, we're no good or we're not blessed, we're not loved. Somebody else is, but we're not. God's not going to answer your prayers. He'll answer their prayers, but he won't answer yours. You're nothing. You're a nobody. Um, God doesn't love you. He loves, you know, look what you've done. Look what you're thinking. Those sort of negative thoughts that can come into our hearts, again, we have to be ruthless with them, okay? Um, and I just suggest, if you haven't um, done this, just look at Ephesians 1, say. These five verses in 3 to 7 of Ephesians 1, if you just meditate on those verses, you'll completely turn tables on the devil. You'll completely flip the coin, if you like, and just reveal a completely different facet. We've got to replace his lies with God's word. And these, this, these, three, um, these five verses just tell us these things. We are, you are, I am blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Just drink that in for a moment. You today are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. You are chosen. You might not feel chosen, 
Well, what you feel has got nothing to do with it. That's the thing. We, know, we can't be driven by our feelings. We've got to be driven by what God says about us. So if you don't feel chosen, just keep meditating on it. <laughs> don't worry. Keep meditating on that and saying, I am a chosen generation. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I'm chosen by God. I'm loved and precious to him. You are holy and blameless before him. It doesn't matter what you did five minutes ago. It doesn't matter what you did last year. God sees you as holy and blameless. No fault because of Jesus. That's amazing, isn't it? Someone explained it to me once. It's, Jesus is like a stained glass window and he filters out all of the rubbish through his blood. And we've been adopted into God's family. So all of you here today, my brothers and sisters in the family of Christ, in the family of Jesus, I love you. <laughs> um, yeah, how great that is, that we're part of a new family. And we're accepted in the beloved. That's just such a powerful scripture, isn't it? That acceptance, that's what we all need in life, isn't it? We want people to accept us and love us. And we're accepted by God because of Jesus. So you today are accepted. You know, you, you wouldn't have to crawl in to the throne room on your hands and knees today. Isn't that amazing? You know, God Almighty, who is holy and amazingly just and everything, just so amazing. And we're sort of like little worms by comparison. What was it um, Michelle was saying, you know, when she was thinking about the greatness of God and just how small we are. And yet, you know, God has raised us up to be able to walk in his presence. We can come boldly into the throne of grace, it says in Hebrews, to obtain mercy and help in time of need because of Jesus. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. We've been redeemed by his blood. That word redeemed, I'm sure you know it means we've been bought back. So it's the idea that you've been kidnapped. You were kidnapped by the devil and sin and God paid the price to buy you back. You've literally been translated out of his jurisdiction, it says in Colossians, and into the kingdom of light, all right? That's where you are. So don't let him tell you you're still over there. Actually, that, that Colossians scripture says you've been translated out of the dominion of darkness. And that means the authority of darkness. So if you think of all that darkness has rule over, You've been translated out of his authority. Just really take that on board today. He doesn't have authority in your life to bring his rubbish. You are in the kingdom of light. And Jesus said, I have come that you might have life abundantly. We do have to take authority ourselves. I might go into that in a minute. But, you know, God won't do it for us. We have to take that authority um, Perhaps I'll go there slightly, actually. It, was, it happened last night. We were watching a, a video, and it just really reignited this, this message of authority. And it's from Ephesians again. In Ephesians 1, it says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, and his body, um, the church, is seated with him. If you go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, it says we're seated with him in heavenly places, far above all principalities, powers, might, dominion, and every name that is named. So even though physically we aren't in heaven, spiritually we are. We have Jesus' authority. 
And Jesus isn't physically here on earth, so he can't rebuke whatever you're dealing with. But you can, because you're physically here, but you've got his authority to do that. Did, you make, did that make sense, or did I go too quickly? Anyway, look it up yourselves. Ephesians 1, the end of Ephesians 1, and then Ephesians 2, verse 6. Tie those two passages together, and you'll see that you have authority. You have the authority of Jesus to, you know, put things in action in this world. Lastly, all of our sins are forgiven. All of our sins are forgiven. All of our sins are forgiven. Isn't it tempting to just think that can't be forgiven? Or... I just can't deal with that. I'm just not seeing victory in that area. But all, that is everything, (laughs) all. So be happy, folks. All of your sins are forgiven. And um, just live in the light of the joy of that. Okay, I'm going to move on to the next bit of the verse now. And it talks about, um, if I could just find my notes. It talks about, Guard your heart above all else in the new living and with all diligence in the other two. And I've sort of mentioned this already, really. And it's, it's just something that we've got to do regularly. I mean, my car MOT has just come in. You know, it tells you, perhaps your garage writes to you. My garage writes to me and says, your car needs its MOT. I mean, it's having its annual checkup. But an annual checkup for your heart isn't going to be enough. We need to be checking up on our heart regularly. And then the last section here um, is, is very powerful. We need to guard our heart for it determines the course of our life. It determines, the New Living says, the course of our life. In other words, whatever is coming out through our heart will come out of our mouth and it's actually going to control how our life goes. So we really need to guard what's coming out of our mouth. This fits with James chapter 3, doesn't it? Where it talks about the tongue and that no man can tame the tongue. And it likens the tongue to the rudder of a ship. Now we all know the rudder of a ship twists and turns and controls where the ship goes. And our tongue and what we say is like that. So we need to guard our hearts so that we don't run into the wrong course in our lives. And then the other two translations talk about it being the springs of life. Our heart is a spring of life. Our heart is the source of life. What comes out of our heart is the source of life. And it comes right back to what I was saying at the start, that the Holy Ghost is in there. He is our life. He is the source of our life. And so we need to center our lives in him. It reminded me of the parable of the sower a little bit, the whole of this sermon. If you remember the parable of the sower, there's lots of different soils. I'm not going to go into it in detail because it's also in Luke, so someone else is going to have to preach this in a few weeks' time. But if you look closely at that parable, parable, the seed is the word of God. So that doesn't change. The word of God goes on to every soil. It's the soil that determines the crop and the The Gospels tell us, guess what the soil is? The soil is our hearts. So it's the same message in another form. We need to weed our patches, folks. We need to take out all of the dross out of our our hearts. 
and replace it with the Word of God. I'm nearly done. Okay, to recap. First of all, it's the tr- Jesus is our treasure in the center of our hearts. And if he is there as our treasure, then we're going to bear good fruit because it is our nature. And so he, we've all got him in there. And by doing the sort of things I've suggested today, we're going to maximize that fruit-bearing capacity of our hearts. In our hearts is the source of life. He is the source of our life. And, you know, we need to regularly check up our our motivations and our thought life and just make sure that we're keeping our hearts healthy. We're focusing on the word of God. We're worshiping Jesus. We're spending time with him. So to finish off, coming back to our, our scripture, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, this wasn't meant to be a message of condemnation. And I hope you haven't taken it as such because God does not condemn us. It's a message of exhortation and encouragement. Okay, It's an encouragement to all of us because, as Michelle said, God really loves us. And he wants us to come up higher and be closer to him. So... For me, it's been, I've tried to outwork practically in this week I've just had to just spend more time with God, just worshiping, just listening to him, reading his word, just trying to be in his presence all the time. I know it's difficult, especially when we've got jobs and stuff going on. Um, And, you know, know, my family have left home now, so I haven't got little children running around my feet all the time. And I do understand all of those things. Um, But God will give you a way, okay? Because he's, you know, he he always finds a way for us to to have this moment of of just living in that rest and peace with him. Um, You know, let's, let's just pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you your word is designed to exhort us and to build us up and to challenge us, Lord God, to, to just, um, you know, just fulfill the calling that you have for each one of us. Thank you, Lord God, that we've all got a high calling in you. Thank you, Lord God. We're all members of your body here at Hope, Lord Jesus, and that you've got good works for us to do, Lord God, in this church body. We've got a gifting that needs to just come out, Lord God, and be enjoyed by the community of family here at Hope. Father, I pray for everybody in the sound of my voice, Lord God, that they would take this sermon on board, but not with a message of condemnation. They wouldn't allow the devil to beat them over the head with a stick, um, Father God. They would just recognize that you love them and you have the very best for them, Lord God. You have um, a plan that is good and will bring them fulfillment and joy in their lives, Lord Jesus. Um, Father, we just um, ask you to help us to just find that time to just um, draw aside with you each day, Heavenly Father, to just spend time in your presence, to listen to your voice, to just, um, just fellowship with you as our Heavenly Father um, through Jesus. 
Lord, I just commend the people here today to your loving care. Father, I just pray for every need that is that has walked through these doors today. Father, I know that you are a God who, who wants to meet our needs and you love us um, so amazingly. And I just felt, um, folks, God saying to me today that if we went into someone's house and um, they didn't give us a cup of tea or they didn't feed us or whatever, and, you know, they wouldn't be meeting our needs. And just God saying, you know, I am your father today. I'm your heavenly father. If you've come into my house today and you have a need, God wants to meet that need. So I just want to pray just now and just, um, you know, if it's a physical need, a financial need, an emotional need, just lift it up to God at this moment as I pray. Because I believe God is going to do something in your life. Father, I know that you love us. You love us. Um, oh, gosh, you love us so much, Father God. Um, you, you know, we are the apple of your eye. And Heavenly Father, I might intercede for every single person in this room and every person who's listening to this message now, Father God. And I thank you that your Holy Ghost inside each one of us um, it quickens our mortal body. Um, if it's sickness that is needing to be overcome, I thank you that you have provision for us and favor for us if we need financial blessings, Lord Jesus, and um, if we need social help, Lord God, if we've fallen out with someone, Lord Jesus, and we need help in that area or with children or whatever is going on, Lord God, you're bigger and greater than all of our needs. And Father, we bring all these to you now as a huge bouquet. We scoop them up to heaven, Lord Jesus, and we ask you to just meet these needs in the people right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I declare needs be met in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Impart your peace, your grace, your love into each heart here, Father God. Thank you. We are accepted in the beloved. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. Amen.